forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Well, welcome. If you are just tuning in and joining us, or you're here maybe for the first time in the house, welcome. My name is Matthew. get to serve as one of the pastors here at Faith Church. And it's a joy and a delight to open some scripture and to share a little bit with you. So if you have a copy of scripture, would you join me in Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2. If you didn't bring a printed version, that's right. Grab your phone uh, or your tablet. Log on to our free complimentary guest Wi-Fi, and you can go to faithchurchks.org org and track right along with the sermon notes. Uh, and I want you to take notes. I want you to jot down even some questions and send those in for our Sunday Night Live, which is next Sunday at six o'clock. It'll be a broadcast. It's going to be uh, interactive and fun. And uh, we don't want you to miss it as we kind of explore a little deeper and expound more on some of the truths that we talk about or touch on and then kind of going a little bit deeper and giving a little bit more understanding scripturally on some things and give you an opportunity to ask some questions as well. And so you can submit those questions on our central hub. But Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. And uh, this is what the word says. It says, when the day of Pentecost came. Everybody say Pentecost. It's not a scary word. And we'll explain it here in a little bit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Somebody say all. In one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a wind. Didn't say it was a blowing of the wind. It said it was like a blowing of the wind. Came and violently came through and from heaven filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All, somebody say all. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All. We're talking about a Spirit-empowered obedience. We're kind of in part three of exploring what a spirit-empowered obedience looks like. Because what we know is that the call of followers of Jesus is not to just simply believe and stop. But to keep going as we walk in the way of Jesus and we live out our faith in full obedience to him. And we need help to be obedient. Just like your kids sometimes need a little bit of help to be obedient. You need a little, okay, let me rephrase. You need a lot of help to be obedient to your Father who is in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is that helper. He's the one who empowers us 
to obey. And if we're going to have a spirit-empowered obedience, it requires that we don't just receive the spirit, but we are full of the spirit in our lives. And this is what we want to talk about. And, and, and we said last week that there are really um, oftentimes when we approach this conversation, there are people who are, are kind of uneducated as it relates to who the Holy Spirit is. In other words, you're brand new to kind of scripture and studying scripture and you see words and, and you're like, I'm not, I'm not sure what that means. And what does that mean? And why is that? And you've got a lot of great questions and you're going to love tuning into Sunday Night Live because you can ask those questions. And you're just beginning to explore and just beginning to learn what it looks like to have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. There are some people who, through the years, have, have discovered or heard incorrect teaching as it relates to the Holy Spirit. There, there are some people who believe that um, the Holy Spirit and what happened at Pentecost was just a one-time thing, and it doesn't happen anymore, and all of it has ceased to happen. As if the Holy Spirit is like, I'm good, I started for a little bit, and now I'm out. Y'all are on your own. And they think it ceased. Some people have gone as far as to say that those who believe in the Spirit and even speak in tongues are demonic and demon-possessed. And I would contend that they are wrong. And that the Bible would speak that that's not fully true. That's not accurate. Some of you are like, well, that's great. Let's talk about that. We will this summer. Come back for our first Corinthian study. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to do a whole sermon just on tongues and what does it mean and how you need it in your own life. There are some people who even incorrectly think that the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit and the, the Pentecostal experience is for entertainment and trying to impress other people, and they are wrong as well. And then there are some who just have a little bit of understanding. You know who the Holy Spirit is and that we need his work in our life and he helps sanctify us and he helps speak to us and he helps lead us and he speaks truth to us but, and he bears fruit in our lives. But you are missing some more information as to the fullness of the Holy Spirit and how he wants to interact with you in your everyday life and empower you so that you can obey so that you look more like Jesus on Friday than you did on Sunday. And we need more information and understanding of these things. Here's what we saw in today's corporate reading in Acts chapter 1. We saw that Jesus promised that he would give you the Holy Spirit. And that he would be the baptizer who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, there are very few things that are recorded and mentioned in all four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very few things. you got the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is in all four. You've got a couple miracles like feeding of the 5,000 that are in all four. You've got a couple parables that are in all four. And you have the understanding that Jesus said, John baptized you with water, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It was that important that they made sure all of the gospel writers recorded that very truth about Jesus, that his desire is to fill you with the Holy Spirit in such a way that it empowers you to do the mission of God that he's called you to live out and walk out on, that we've been called to live and walk in, to walk the way of Jesus and to have the Spirit-empowered obedience. It was so important that all four gospels recorded it. 
the birth of Jesus isn't articulated clearly in all four Gospels. But the fact that Jesus would be the baptizer with the Holy Spirit is. For many years, I have taught a traditional Pentecostal view as it relates to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that there are three baptisms. Baptism into the family of God, baptism in water, and baptism with this Holy Spirit. And I think over the years, it's kind of gotten a little confusing for many people to where uh, we hear the word baptism and we're like, okay, well, wait a second. If I get baptized with the Holy Spirit, then did that mean I didn't have the Spirit in the beginning, like when I got saved? Because I thought like, he's the one who lives in my heart and I'm pretty sure I got it in my heart. Or, or maybe that it's my water baptism that gets me saved and then I experience the Holy Spirit. And, and it can get a little confusing and we can kind of misunderstand the, the different Greek words for baptism. There are two different ones. One means to dip. The other means to immerse completely until transformation occurs. Like when you dip a shirt and you sub, uh, immerse a shirt into a dye, it transforms and changes colors. The very fabric shifts and changes. It is like taking a cucumber and immersing it into the right mixture and it becomes a pickle. These are the two differences that scripture often talks about. And I've found over the years that there are uh, sometimes confusion as it relates to the process because we, we're, many of us are linear thinkers, right? We're like, okay, I gotta have the category here and here's my box of what that means and then I have this thing and this is the thing and then I have this thing and this is the thing and, and these things can't be connected or overlapped and they have to happen in sequence and our minds kind of get a little boggled because sometimes we're having a hard time understanding the work of God completely, which is actually supposed to boggle our minds a little bit because you have to receive everything by faith. And faith comes from our understanding, and the more we understand, the more faith we have, and the more faith we have, we can receive fully. But sometimes our minds kind of get in the way. And so today I want to, as quickly as I can, try to help bring some clarity and explain maybe a different way, not using the words baptism, to help us understand that there are many people who follow and love Jesus, who believe in the fullness of the Spirit. They, they, they think of it in two baptisms, right, it, but many fillings. There's the baptism that happens at salvation, and then there's a water baptism that happens later, and there is still this experience and filling that is a reoccurring experience with God and with the Spirit similar to what they experienced at Pentecost, and there's scriptural backing to understand that those things occur. But I want to maybe approach it from another way, using some different language that I think no matter where you're coming from or where you have been educated up to this point, it will help bring clarity and help you walk away with a greater understanding of what we're talking about. And I want to use grammar as an illustration. I want to use grammar. Now, truth be told, I am not a grammar proficionado. Like, I am not like the grammar guy. Like, this is not, I like words, but apparently commas don't like me. Like, it just kind of doesn't always jive with me. In fact, uh, I was in charge of all the communications at my church in North Carolina, and uh, while I was there on staff, uh, we were making up several banners, and these were very expensive banners. And the first rendition of them came in, and I laid them all out, and I brought my pastor in. I was like, oh, man, these look great. They're going to look great all over. They're going to be sound uh, baffles to help improve some sound, and they were beautiful scripture art, and I had worked hours on all of these. And he looks at one and goes, oh my gosh, you're forgetting, a, you're, you're missing a G, there's an error. And I told him to shut up. 
because it would not be unlike my pastor to play this kind of joke on me. And I thought he was joking. He wasn't. There was some missing grammar in it, and it cost us an extra $500 to get it fixed and replaced and shipped in expedited fashion. It was a very costly grammatical error. But if I could perhaps use grammar as a little bit of an illustration to help us understand how the Lord wants us to walk forward in our life and the progress that we can experience as we gain understanding and believe in faith to not only be saved, to be water baptized, but experience the empowerment that the Spirit wants to do in your life. And first, to to show you the importance of grammar in case you haven't yet been convinced, let me show you this one sentence here. It simply says, let's eat grandma. Or it could say, let's eat grandma. That one comma just saved grandma's life and you from cannibalism. (laughs) Grammar matters. And so I want to take three words. Jesus is Lord. I want to take these three words and show you the importance of these three things. The first is this. It's a question. Jesus is Lord? The punctuation at the end of the sentence makes these three words form a question. This is a question every human being must answer. And if you answer it incorrectly, there's a price. And if you answer it correctly, there is a reward. Jesus is Lord. This is the essential question of your salvation. Do you believe Jesus is Lord? It's a question every human, every one of us must answer. And when you answer the question that indeed he is, he is the Lord, he is the Savior, he is Jesus, the Son of God who came to this world, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for a penalty that he did not commit, but a price and a penalty you deserved. And he died, was buried, and now has resurrected and lives forever. If you believe that that man is Lord, you will be saved. And when you get saved, the Holy Spirit becomes a seal of your salvation in your life. Marked by the presence of God, gained by permission for God to take residence in your life because of believing in the Christ's blood. You receive salvation. You have a regenerated heart. The the presence of the Spirit moves into your life. And in return of that free gift of salvation, you do what every good person, every human should do. The appropriate response to receiving a great gift is to return in gratitude and love and admiration for the gift giver. And this is what we do. We give our love to Jesus and our devotion to him because we have received an amazing gift known as salvation. And in that moment, when we answer the question, Jesus is Lord, when we answer that question, the Holy Spirit becomes a seal on your salvation. Ephesians 1, 13 says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked. Somebody say marked. It's a punctuation mark. You, you were marked 
in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and his glory. 2 Corinthians 1 tells us that now it is God who makes us, you and us, all of us, both of us, stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit for what will eventually occur one day when he comes and physically abides with us forever in a new heaven and a new earth and we party with him. It's a beautiful thing. But it's a a seal. What does Paul mean by a seal? Well, he's identified the Holy Spirit as this promised seal. In the ancient world, a seal was a form of indication used to authenticate and protect legal documents. In religious usage, such as in our case, a seal meant that the power of the deity protected the bearer and was available to him or her. He is the seal that we need. When you answer the question, Jesus is Lord, and you say, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit is given as a seal. His presence is available now to you in your life. But that's not the only punctuation mark we need to pay attention to with these three words. See, when you finally answer the question, now you need to put a period at the end of that, those words, and make it a statement. See, if you don't ever put a period at the end of the statement, you are leaving it imbalanced. You may have answered the question, but you've never made a statement. This is what where water baptisms comes into play in our development and our growth and our process of following Jesus. You need to be water baptized. Why? Because water baptism is the statement that a believer makes after they have surrendered their whole life to Jesus. It, it is a public statement of an inward confession. You believe, you've answered the question internally. You've made this, this decision. I'm gonna, I believe that Jesus is Lord. Yeah, no, I've answered the question. I believe that he is. It's time to make a statement, to go public with your faith and to put a period at the end of this sentence and say, no, 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 Jesus is Lord. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. It's a statement you make. Fr- friends, if you have never been water baptized, Or maybe you've walked away from God and you spent a lot of years as a good sinner. I mean, you're really good at it. You need to be water baptized. You may have answered the question. You may have erased the question mark because you have no, absolutely, I believe Jesus is Lord for sure. I believe it. Why don't you make a statement about it? Some of us are continually being accused and showered with shame from the enemy, whispering to you that salvation isn't really yours, that you really haven't changed, that you're not really a follower of Jesus. You think Jesus is your Lord, but you haven't really acted like, I mean, nobody's seen the change. It's never been a part of your life. It's time to shut him up by finally making a public statement that Jesus is Lord. He's your Lord. Next month, we're doing water baptism. We'll be celebrating it. We have a brand new baptismal tank. It's like six feet around, got some pretty stairs. It's going to be heated, no jets, tubs, but it is still heated. Friends, 
can, can, I, can I press you just a little bit with all love in my heart as your pastor? Can I have any influence in your heart? And you look to me in any way as a, somebody who's helping you walk your spiritual journey. If you've answered the question, Jesus is Lord, but you've never been water baptized, why are you not obeying Jesus? Water baptism is meant to be one of the very first acts of obedience that we make following him. If you've never been water baptized, it's time to get off your behind and sign up. Do it. Go public. Shut the devil up and make a statement. Jesus is Lord. You can go right out to the next step table right after the service, and they'll help you get all signed up. You can find it right there on your phone, central up, anytime throughout the week. You can do it at home, online, right now. Sign up for water baptism and make a statement, Jesus is Lord. Make the statement, Jesus is Lord. But, but that's not the only punctuation mark in our understanding of grammar, is it? You've got question marks, you've got periods, but then you have an exclamation point. There it is. It's a little delayed, like many of you understanding the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit delayed in your life. It's all right. Jesus is Lord. Somebody exclaim that with me. Jesus is Lord. There's a little excitement to that. There's a little enthusiasm that comes with that, with that exclamation. There's a little bit of an exclamation point. Let me emphatically, with courage and boldness and a little bit more volume than a Baptist, Jesus is Lord. If we do it one more time, tongues of fire might start showing up, and that might be a problem for some of us. Jesus is Lord. Why? Why, 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 why? Because when you allow and yield yourself to the Holy Spirit's work in your life, and you invite the Holy Spirit to fill you to overflow, there is an excitement, there's a stirring, there is life, there is out of your belly begins to flow rivers of living water that when people taste of it, they are quenched and expect and understand the salvation of the Lord. It is refreshing to them. And if you are gonna follow the obedient commandment of Jesus to go into all of the world, into your world, and preach the gospel, to be a witness that proclaims something if you're going to proclaim a message that Jesus is Lord then you need some empowerment to do that you need some boldness to do that and it's the Holy Spirit who brings that into your life he's the one who brings that boldness that courage to stand up for righteousness when everyone else is rewriting what it means to live righteously. You need to answer the question, Jesus is Lord? You might be searching and questioning and exploring faith, asking some great, great questions. That's wonderful. Maybe today's the day that you finally answer the question and say, no, Jesus, he's gonna be my Lord and Savior. He's the only way to heaven and eternal life. You answer that question. Some, some of you need to make the statement, Jesus is Lord, you put a period. And many of you need to invite the fullness of the Spirit into at work in your life, allowing him to empower you so that you have a boldness to proclaim the message of the kingdom because Jesus wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit repeatedly to send you out with power to do ministry. In the book of Acts, 
it uses very fluid language to describe this experience of being filled, this exclamation point moment with the Lord, where Jesus baptizes you and fills you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. It uses very, very fluid language. In fact, Luke's terminology in describing people's experience with the Holy Spirit in Acts is very, very fluid. He is more interested in conveying a relational dynamic that you have rather than delineating a precisely worded theology. He notes that people were filled with the Spirit, Acts 2 and Acts 9, that they received the Holy Spirit, Acts 8, that the Holy Spirit fell upon them, up, on, up, and on, up, on, uh, a filling up on them, Acts 10, and that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on them, Acts 10, and that the Holy Spirit came upon them again in Acts 19. These are all then essential equivalents of Jesus' promise that the church, the people of God, those who have made the statement, Jesus is Lord, that they would see the fulfillment that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and see especially the immediate fulfillment that we just read in Acts chapter 2 in verse 4, as Luke would describe it as a filling with the Holy Spirit. Whether you call it a baptism, a filling, an experience, a up and upon overflow, I don't really care what you want to call it. I just want you to experience it. I want you to know that there is more power and courage and boldness and gifts and fruit and a toolbox of things that the Holy Spirit wants to develop from within you. And these three encounters, the salvation, the baptism of water, and, and a Holy Spirit empowerment and filming, these three are so consistent with Scripture, and it is so consistent with the experience of so many people that I know in their lives. Many people in this church, many people over the 17 years of full-time ministry, of kids, of teenagers, of adults, and senior adults alike. This has been the experience. See, friends, water baptism is only for those who have answered the question, Jesus is Lord. Water baptism you own, in Scripture, no one was water baptized unless they were willing to believe that Jesus was the Lord. Like, it was the salvation experience that they incurred. It, not the salvation experience. It was a statement about the salvation that they had already experienced, about their belief. Drawing us to believe, and he dwelt in us. They were, they were water baptized. In 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 6 through verse 8, it says this. This is the one who came by water and blood. Somebody say water and blood. Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. Somebody say three. Three that testify. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three of them are in agreement. What's that agreement? That Jesus is Lord. That's the agreement. And all three are at work to help you be a living testimony that Jesus is Lord. All three. 
Listen, answering the question settles our testimony in heaven because your name gets written in the Lamb's book of life. That's called salvation. The other two are important for our testimony to the world around us. One is a public statement of our faith and pledging our allegiance to God alone. That's water baptism. And the other empowerment is to be a witness to the world. And we receive spiritual tools activated in our lives that we need to live out that allegiance and our testimony. These three are the testimony, the blood, the water, and the spirit. Three is a repeated number in scripture. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus was in a tomb for, and then he was raised again. Three is a number again and again used through scripture. This is why for me when I read scripture, I just can't help but see that these three marks are so important for you. The question mark, Jesus is Lord. The statement, Jesus is Lord. And the exclamation point, Jesus is Lord. The fact that not only does scripture repeat the number three so often, such a key part of understanding God and his work in our lives, but the temple bears witnesses to these three. The temple in the Old Testament, the first place that you went in the temple as you were going, trying to get into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God lived. The first stop you had to make was at an altar of sacrifice where you shed blood. There are three that testify, the blood, the water, and the spirit. The blood sacrifice. The very next step, you know what you did? The very next, after you made the sacrifice, the priest would then go and wash in a basin of water to cleanse away and purify. What do we do in the waters of baptism? We purify. We are essentially having a celebration of the purification that we are dead and buried and our old sins leave in the water and we come up new in him. We wash away the stains of sin. We celebrate in the waters of baptism, the blood, the water, and then the next thing. You know what they did next? in the temple in order to get into God's presence. They had to do it in order to experience the fullness of God's power and his presence in the temple. They had to light a candle, which was fused by oil, fire. What happened on the day of Pentecost? It was like wind came, filled the room, and all of a sudden, individual flames of fire were over their heads. Acts chapter 2, they experienced the Pentecost experience, the fullness of the Spirit in a new way. And then this same group of people in Acts chapter 4 experienced it again. Exact same group, Peter and John leading the way. They all experienced it again. Why? Because the empowerment of the Spirit is not just a one-time moment where you're like, whoo, I got the Holy Ghost now. It's an everyday be being filled in the Holy Spirit because you use the spirit of life in you to give away in ministry and you need to be refilled with more life of the spirit so that you live at full capacity again and again and again. Literally Ephesians 4, the original language when he says be filled in the spirit, singing songs and hymns in the spirit, making melody in your heart to the Lord. That language is not just be filled one time. 
It literally means be, being continually filled. Listen, there are numerous stories through my life of people who have had true encounters with the Holy Spirit being filled after being saved. And this is true all through the book of Acts. Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 18, and Acts 19. People who had already been water baptized, people who already had had that seal of the salvation in them, had an accelerant take place when they encountered and yielded themselves to the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. This is what we see in the day of Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost? Something amazing happened. Now, now Pentecost was an annual Jewish festival also known as the Feast of Weeks, the day of first fruits, if you will, a celebration of the first buds of the harvest. Jewish men were required by law to go to Jerusalem three, how many times? Three times a year. Three times a year they were required to go for celebrations. The first was Passover. Friends, Passover was the celebration and the remembrance that Jesus fulfilled on the cross as our Passover lamb. His blood being poured out once and for all for all of us, giving us access to the presence of God forever. Passover has been fulfilled. There's a celebration. The next celebration they did was, was this Pentecost. Penta, meaning five. Cost, meaning to the 10th power, 50. So when we talk about being Pentecostal, we're just saying that we believe in 50. 50. Ooh. Spooky. No, no, 50. A celebration of first fruits. But there's a way in which a harvest could be found of souls and salvation being made. Pentecost. The third one that they had to go to was what was called the Feast of Tabernacles or booths or tents, just different words used to describe the same feast. Friends, Passover has been fulfilled by Jesus. Pentecost has already happened and we continually experience the fullness of Pentecost in our lives when we yield and ask for the Spirit to do it. But the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles hasn't happened yet. Why? Because Jesus hasn't returned made the world right, and dwelt among us forever in person yet. God knew what he was going to do. God knew that you would need the Holy Spirit. God knew that you would need a Savior. And God knew that he was going to come and send his son again as a triumphal king returning to make the world right again. He knew all those things. So he had them centuries before begin to practice celebrating that they would happen. Your God is a brilliant God. Brilliant isn't even the right word. At the day of Pentecost, what happened? There was a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy that sons and daughters would prophesy that the Spirit would be poured out on everyone. Men and women, young and old alike, could experience the fullness of the Spirit. At Pentecost, it was reminiscent of what happened in Exodus when Moses brought the law down from the mountain. And it was there that now at Pentecost, the law of God was being written into the hearts of men by the Holy Spirit, where we are not at, at bound by the old law, but it's written in our hearts to follow the Spirit's leading 
to fulfill the law of God, the, the spirit of the law in obedience to him. It's, it's the realization of a new temple, that you are the temple where the spirit of God wants to now dwell forever. It was this that was happening at Pentecost. It was a reminder of the burning bush where Moses recognized this is holy ground. I get to come close to the holiness of God because the spirit is ablaze in my life and my heart. All of this was foreshadowing in the Old Testament what would take place on this day of Pentecost. And don't miss this for you Bible nerds. Pentecost was a redemptive reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11, what happened, Pastor? Let me tell you. All the people were together in one place with one heart, one mind, and they decided, let's build a tower that reaches to the skies. And God looked down and he says, man, they're really not obeying the command to spread across the world and be fruitful and multiply. They've decided that they just wanna keep it all right here, all be here in this one place, and they think that they're gonna to get to me just by building a tower. So they started to construct this tower, and God says, because they are of one heart, one mind, and one language, nothing will be impossible for them. So God came down and changed and confused all of their languages. And all of the different languages of the world were born. And there was such confusion, they couldn't understand everybody. They could understand a few people, but they couldn't understand everybody. So they started to go and live in separate places and they finally spread all over the world, which was what Jesus wanted them to do in the first place. What was the command in Genesis? To be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. But they weren't doing it. And so he confused their language and he made them do it. And now at the day of Pentecost, what happens? They're all together in one place. Unity in one heart, one mind, and the Spirit starts moving. And He gives them a new language. And they have this power now to go all through the world, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the world, now uniting them in a heavenly language that God understands so that they would spread and go and now they have the power to accomplish what God originally wanted in the fullness of the power of the Spirit available to them. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And when the Spirit empowers you and fills you, you begin to move out to live the mission God in your world. You need the power of the Spirit at work in your life so that you can be a bold witness, so that you can overcome the addictions, so that you can live a holy life, so that you can learn how to tame your own tongue and, and walk in the purity, so that you can live in the mission of God, so that you can pray for people on your own and not be afraid to pray for somebody if they because you have boldness, you have power. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to pray and the words to say, and you can learn and understand Scripture. I can't understand Scripture. Yes, you can. Just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. You'll start understanding Scripture again. Right, like, it's Him at work in our lives to do this. Friends, I had an, a beautiful illustration, and I don't have time to use it, so I'll use it when we talk about 1 Corinthians. Let me, let me ask you just a few questions, just for a second. Do we still need salvation in our lives? 
Do people in the world still need salvation? Yes or yes? Very good. So bright, so smart. Do we, do people still need to be water baptized in this world? Yes or yes? Yep. Do you think maybe, just maybe, people still need to have the power of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, like they were on Pentecost to accomplish the mission of God? Yes or yes? Why? Why, Pastor? Because we haven't completed the mission yet. Jesus hasn't returned yet. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, how, how do I be filled? You ask. Really complicated, I know ask. Yield in a prayer. Jesus, I yield to you. I believe in you. You're my Lord. Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Would you fill me? I yield. Would you fill me to overflowing with your spirit? And he will. He will. Every time, he will. Jesus promised that he would. This week, let me give you some practical things. Ways to practice this. Number one, if you know you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you understand it, you, you get it, man, you're, you're ready for it. This week, here's what I want you to do. Turn on some worship music and just sing for a few minutes. Get your heart ready. Get in the presence of the Lord. And as you worship, just simply surrender and yield and ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Just ask him, and he'll fill you with your spirit. Yield to him. Ask him to empower you to be the witness. Ask him to, to experience the fullness like they did. Just ask him for it. In the moment with his presence, just make, take some time with the Lord. Some of you are like, I right, cool. I kind of like it. Not sure I'm ready. That's okay. You know what you need to do? You need to open up the Bible app and find the, the reading plan, the God I never knew and start to read what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and gain more understanding. Because as your understanding grows, your faith will grow. Not your intellect, not the logic, but your faith will grow. And faith is like a small seed and faith must be like a child to inherit and receive and see the fullness of the kingdom of God, Jesus said. So it's a simple he said it, I believe it. So let's read what he said and allow our faith to begin to grow. Would you stand with me as we come to the Lord's table today and partake of communion? I hope this has been helpful for you. Would you go ahead and just begin to open those up. If you're here in the room, go ahead and open it up. Get your little wafer out. Open up the cup. At home, you can grab those elements too whatever you got nearby. And I want you just to pause for a second. And I want you to respond in some way to the Lord. Three questions. Number one, is Jesus Lord in your life? Have you been sealed with the Holy Spirit through salvation? If you haven't, today is your day of salvation. You can simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to be saved. You can pray that prayer. 
and start down the journey of following Jesus. Second question, have you been water baptized? Have you put a period at the end of those three words, Jesus is Lord? Today, maybe that's your response, just to sign up for water baptism. And then maybe some of you, you need to be filled for the first time or it's been running real low and you need to be refilled again. You need to ask the Spirit to fill you. Would you just close your eyes, bow your heads, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What's, what's my next step? What are you helping me to see and understand today? Father, as we come to your table, we take the bread, which is your body, and the juice, which represents your blood, which cleanses us, makes us a pure vessel for your Spirit's presence to dwell in us. So Lord, as we get ready to take the bread and drink the cup, we do so squarely with our faith on you, proclaiming the good news of the gospel that you have done for us. Thank you for speaking to us today. Let's go ahead and take the bread. Now the juice. If you just put your hands out, just like that, in front of you, you'll be able to get rid of your cups as you exit the sanctuary today, but just for a minute, would you stand there, hands open? Father, here we are ready in a place to receive all that you have for us. God, would you help us to pursue you with an openness this week? Lord, I pray a blessing. Over. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.